Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Trader. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Palmer got the Sunday scaries. He's in Portland, Oregon. He's not here. Mike Samuelson, uh, baby duty? Not sure. Yeah. Not here. But we got Colin. We're ready to read some emails. What's up, Colin? Hey, good enough. You know, good enough for government work. You can't... Yeah, this is not the podcast uh, you want, but it's the podcast you deserve. We got so. we got emails that need to be cleared off the deck. So exactly. It's an all email pod. Here we go. That's right. That's right. We've uh, usually we have just like the light Zamboni for these, but now we've put on the like a, a bulldozer attachment on the front of the Zamboni. We're really pushing these things around. We got to clear snow. This is pond Zamboni clearing. Yeah. The water spraying off the back to give it the fresh coat. The whole bit, all of it. Uh, we could use the first email here as a warm up, I guess. Let's do it. I haven't looked at George. these emails, too, so this is going to oh, be nice. And- oh, let's rip it. Uh, George writes in and says, Miss you guys. Glad you're back. Thanks, George. It's good to be back. Mm-hmm. Wonderful to get an email from you. Uh, up your hammers. They're doing well, I think. Uh, one this weekend, anyway. He sends a link that is to an old story at this point, almost a month old, uh, about uh, Miles Robinson from Atlanta United, who got arrested over what seems to be a miscommunication about whether he was being gifted a shot by the bartender or not. Uh, You know, $5. It's a shot at a bar. He didn't pay for it. Uh, I guess got arrested for a misdemeanor of stealing some alcohol, which seems um, probably problematic. Yeah, fucking shit. Oh, God damn, that's terrible. Not, Not a good look. Uh, the internet seemed to be pretty sure that this was the type of bar that you are not surprised is uh, doing this type of thing either. Oh like, you know, I don't know if that means it's like very country or very fratty broy or like what, but it was just uh, a bunch of shitheads. Or just, what? yeah, exactly. It, not surprising to people who knew this bar that this bar was uh, arresting uh, black dudes, basically. So uh, George suggests a nice warm up for the pod is what are your best and worst shot-taking stories? Uh, this has to be Miles Robinson's worst shot-taking story. So uh, <laughs> w- one would hope anyway, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if he's got a worse one. Wow. Wow. Um, I'll go with my best. I- I'm not sure if I have a worst or if I do have a worst. I don't remember it. Uh, <laughs> one of my best is I've already, I have to have told this story. Uh, we're on episode 285. There's no way I haven't yeah. told this story yeah. on the podcast. I've definitely told it to uh, you, Dan. But uh, when I was 18 years old, Keevan and I spent a summer in, in England. Uh, one of the last nights we were there, if not, no, the last night we were there, we were staying in a hostel in, I'm t- telling the short version so we can get through the emails, by the way. <laughs> get to the, yeah. Uh, we were staying in Manchester and uh, and we decided to stay up all night. I mean, we had stayed up all night the night before, too. And we were trying to stay up all night that night as well. And we go out to a bar, and we're just spending the, the last, uh, you know, we've been there all summer. We're spending the last uh, physical money we have. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You've had it exchanged. It doesn't make any sense to exchange it back. Right, and, and it's like, just change. Yeah. It's literally a Ziploc bag full of change. 
and we put it on the bar and we're like, we're going to drink until we run out of money. And uh, it's just like a random, random bar. It's not like a good bar. It's not crowded. You know, it's just a random, and it's like a Tuesday night, right? Like it's not a set, like it's not bumping. And we're just sitting at the bar, me, Kevin, and this other guy, Luke. And uh, we asked the bartender, like, what's the cheapest thing he'll sell us? And he's like, well, we got too much peach schnapps. So uh, oh. we just just slammed shots of peach schnapps until we were too drunk and uh, had no more money. Literally had could not could not buy another one. Like you you had no choice. You were out of money and no way to get more money. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Um, uh. So yeah. Wait. So is that your best or worst story? I mean, it's my best. What happens after that in the story is also pretty funny. But um, <laughs> you know, it's just like that's how, how you know when you get to a a, uh, a night where you know some funny shit happens after you get pretty drunk, which you know there's a lot of stories like yeah, that. That happens. The uh, the being like we're just gonna we're gonna have this much monies of alcohol, please, sir, is a is a good way to get there. That's pretty good. Uh. I think my best shot stories are also all from overseas. Um, I was in Hanover in 2006 during the summer of the World Cup and went to the Schutzenfest, which is like the Hanover town summer festival. And they do this special shot. It's like a double. uh, You hold your hand up in like kind of what looks like a gang sign, like shape of an E between your thumb and your pointer finger and your middle finger. And you hold uh, a shot of like dunkel beer, so kind of a dark beer, in between your thumb and your in your pointer, and then some kind of just clear schnapps in your next set of fingers, and you pour it so that the schnapps pours into the dunkel, pours into your mouth, and they do like skis, you know, like shot ski yeah, type yeah, things. Yeah. You buy them by the ski, so they're like twenty at a time. You bring them back to the table. Everyone's like pounding the table, and you just do these things, and it was amazing. And we watched oh. like. Italy beat Argentina, maybe, or something like that, at the Schutzenfest doing these Schutzenfest uh, shots, which was amazing. That sounds just like uh, a beautiful cultural experience. Just a very cultural experience, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, I feel like we also have a shared memory, probably, of my wife doing shots behind the bar in Liverpool on vacation. Oh, yes. yes. And then doing dances with the, the bar girls behind the yes. bar at yes. the, the Valley, the Valley bar. Uh, I think, which I think is no longer, uh, you know, in operation. Oh, no. uh, Not surprising. But yeah, that was a, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Pretty <laughs> Some like weird English song where the whole, during the whole song, there's a dance like, a, a yep. complicated dance with your hands kind of dance. Uh, I yeah, so good. There's a video of it somewhere that I stumble on like once every couple of years, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's that's a memory. That's a good one. Yep. Uh, so we only have good shot taking stories. There you go, George. No bad shots. I yeah, take more the, shots. The moral. Yeah. You don't score hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Don't go in. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to uh, say. Something. Something. Uh, next one's from shot. Vincent. Vincent says, uh, oh, a lot of things. But the only thing that's bolded really uh, is, I ain't going to lie, that's some white people shit to run 100 miles in the desert for exercise. Love the show. Good luck on your run. So uh, it's not 100 miles, Vincent. It's, First of all. It's only going to feel like 100 miles. Yeah. Uh, second of all, it is some white people shit. I'm, yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll confirm that. I'm white. Uh 
So, yeah, there you go. It's made me uh, think a little bit, honestly, about the, uh, well, first of all, like the whiteness of long distance running in particular, uh, which is a a well-known thing. Well, uh, maybe I should say ultra trail running. There are very good marathoners. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. but also kind of the the privilege that I have to be able to like try to train for this and have enough spare time even with kids and work and whatever. So, uh, yeah, that probably corresponds strongly to the, the uh, privilege of white people. Vincent, I don't know if you were trying to get deep on it, but it made me think about it. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful and uh, aware, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, so, and yeah. I completely agree that uh, part of the appeal... <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, or something like that. Uh, that I get out of uh, tra- running, challenging my body through running, is that like my life is so easy. Like, yeah, it's I just don't hard. have hard things in my life. Like my, you know, my job is my job, and my home life is, you know, everyone has ups and downs in their life of, you know, whatever, arguing with your family or something like that. But like, my life is great. It's very easy. So it's it's nice to do hard things once in a while. And, and I have to, because my life is so good, I have to go yes. invent them. Like, whatever. You have to do wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there you go. Uh, so we agree with you. That is some white people shit. And that's it. That's true. That's true. Uh, Scott Angove wants to know, what does one watch on the weekend that the queen dies? What replaced your EPL? I can't even remember. I don't know. It's a long time ago now. I, yeah. I don't know. Probably nothing. Probably family time. Yeah. I guess NFL football. Not in the morning, but. Yeah, probably. College football and then NFL football. It's true. Uh, Pedro Gomez sends a Instagram post, which is Cristiano Ronaldo with his arm around. I think a guy that I'm not exactly sure who this guy is. Have you clicked this link? I will now. I guess. He's, uh, I think at the time I was on my phone and could click through and figure out who it was. I'm on my computer and I'm not logged in, so it won't t- like give me the tag. Um, I don't remember if he's like, you know, kind of nouveau fascist or just like big, big old misogynist or something. The guy's problematic. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, very happy to be pictured next to him. Pedro says, Messi the goat would never. Mm. Are we sure, Pedro? Messi would. Messi would. I mean, we know Neymar would. We recently. know Neymar would. Neymar. Yeah. For those uh, who don't follow, whatever, whatever, however we get that <laughs> Brazilian news. presidential elections. Yeah. Neymar yeah. Uh, hosted the far right presidential candidate who I don't know if he's by now gotten elected. Um, I don't know. Who's, but yeah, far, far right candidate to his. Uh, School, I believe, like Neymar Institute, whatever school yeah, that Neymar something. started. Um, so hosted him and did like a, you know, obviously like a rally type situation. So, yeah, Neymar uh, not with us. Let's just say that. No, he is not one of us. Uh, but if you expect anybody uh, in this tax bracket to be with us, you're a damn fool. You might catch one every once in a while who is. But if you expect that, you're a damn fool. I I think maybe Messi's just smart enough to not 
talk about any like just a, a branded well enough. I don't maybe, know. Maybe not. Christian I mean, Ronaldo's he is until he branding, isn't. Branding, come on, is like true. Elite plastic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm not sure Messi the Goat would never. I think Messi the Goat just hasn't, hasn't yet. yet. Hasn't That's yet. All exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. Pedro also says, oh, because he wrote in last time and said something about like fellow Wisconsinites. He says, I actually, I'm not from Wisconsin uh, and I don't think I ever can. Phoenix does have two weeks of 120 degree plus days a year, but I'd rather have that over 90% humidity. Uh, but I do love uh, cheese. I do love cheese, but fried. Uh, maybe that's a stretch. I do put ketchup on my hot dogs, although I eat pickled onions over regular pickles. What can I say? However, he says, I do respect the Badger State, and it's arguably my favorite Great Lake State. That is a absolute slap lukewarm in the face. take. Absolute slap in the face. <laughs> arguably. I mean, you could argue it. Michigan is in there? What what other state is possibly in there? I mean, I guess great late states would be what? Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. Ohio. And New York, New York touches York. Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. Or Erie? I'm sorry, yeah. Where does well, it hit? Ontario. Yeah, both? Yeah, yeah, maybe both. Uh, you take New is York. Pennsylvania even touching one of those two? Um, anyway. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm taking Wisconsin all day for this question. This is a foolish question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pedro says, what's your favorite Great Lake, and why is it superior? You may not prefer superior uh, coming from shore wood. That's right. I'm a Lake Michigan ride or die. Uh, I realize that that's, you know, my own preference, and, and Lake Superior is a beautiful place with ice cold waters. Uh, but Lake Michigan for me, uh, you know, better beaches, um, and you know, just, uh, it's home. So, you know, you're not going to beat that for me. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's going to be superior Michigan for the reasons essentially that we just said, the further East you go, the less good those States get, the (laughs) less, the less you care about. Yeah. I mean. What do I care about Ontario? I mean, get the fuck out of here, Lake Ontario. The North Shore is amazing. The you know, like Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, the beaches, like Michigan's great. I mean, Michigan does share like Indiana, I guess, which is which is bad, but uh, yeah. it, it's gonna it's got to be superior in Michigan. It's got to be, got to be. Superior is tucked up there, I guess. That's that's nice to just get to kind of. That's just us in Minnesota hanging out. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's nice. Uh, yeah, I'll take Superior. I, I would say that arguably Superior is my favorite Great Lake, Pedro. Very respectable opinion, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lastly, congratulations to Pike on becoming a father. I think we can all get yep. on board with that. Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Spencer sends in uh, pictures of the new, or tweets it, I guess, of the new U.S. Men's National Team kit. Uh, the white one and the blue one. What do you think? What do you think about these, Colin? Okay, so I mean, the one of the worst trends in this uh, year's World Cup kits, and not just the American ones, is the badge in the middle, the crest in the middle. 
There is yeah, rarely Puma, like all of Puma's template is this. All right? of Puma's template, yeah, and like a lot of other. Well, maybe not a lot of other, but quite a few other teams have the crest in the middle. It can be done, but it takes a very specific jersey to pull off crest in the middle, right? It has to like be in the middle for a reason. There is no reason with these kits to make it look like that. So it just looks like shit. It makes it not look like a soccer kit. Um, And also just the designs are unimaginative, boring, and dated, like, all at the same time. So they're not, they didn't go for, hey, we're going to make this, like, classic look, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a team that definitely has classic look this year. Maybe England does, Um, like, very simple, whatever, you know, just basically red and basically white, Uh, a little bit of, you know, trim around the, the... the collar is a different color the, or something. And right? the collar, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The England, but, I like them. But yeah, so you can do that, or you can go Nigeria, South Korea, Japan, uh, whatever. Uh, any, you know, if you if you get stuck in the middle, no, like these these just fucking suck. I kind of like the white one. It's very oh, reminiscent it's of what year was that World Cup? Two thousand. Six two thousand two, yeah. I mean, it's like a two thousand two two thousand six era design. It's the two thousand two one, yeah. That's the one that I think it's reminiscent of. I think because it has this like neck flare or something thing. on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a good look. Like it, it, when you're looking at like a two thousand two throwback, like it's it's not a good look. He's like, but if it had the crest, if it was actually like really being that kit instead of just being another, like the, the runner up to the kit yeah. we actually chose in 2002, then I could see, you know, where you're going with that. But it's just like a, a 20 year old design. That's not so good. Uh, did you read that part of the motivation for this was to like represent the other sports that are popular in the United States and like, Hockey jerseys always have the emblem in the middle, or so it's like meant to kind of draw on football and hockey jersey styles. Oh, that's so bad. That's so, so dumb. dumb. Yeah. Uh, that feels very much like, uh, you know, what do they call that? Like rewriting history to fit your narrative of like, let's do this thing and then figure out why we can say that we came up with it. Uh, it's pretty dumb. I mean, the, whatever. It just it feels like something to me where they just there was too much thought almost. Either way, whether it's it's that way, like whatever that is, top down or bottom up, like they just they just went around on this too many times, and this was like the average kind of of all the designs. You know, like everybody got to. It's like when you pick up uh, where you're gonna eat, by everybody gets to like cross out ones that they don't want to go to. Yeah, and then you end up just going to like Olive Garden or whatever. Because you're like, well, everyone's fine with Olive Garden. Like, uh, everyone will find something at Olive yeah. Garden. It'll be fine. It's like you crossed out all the traditional ones and you crossed out all the, the Nigerias. I, I mean, that said, I don't hate this. So it, it, to me, it's not exciting, the white one, but it's also fine. I'm not going to go buy it. But like on the field, I don't think it's going to be offensive. The blue one, though, has this uh, like denim, like stonewashed or tie-dye black on blue thing like Tottenham had an away kit like this a couple years ago this whole motif has been 
like really heavily used over the last few years. And I feel like it never caught, like nobody's liked it. Why is it still here? I don't, it's the blue that I just don't get. Like why this idea is two years old and nobody ever liked it. Why is it here now for the world's cup? Yeah. It's the, completely. It's so dumb. So bad. So the blue sucks. Uh, but even then, yeah. even then they, it's, it's like, and then they put the crest in the middle for no reason. Yeah, Fuck, that's true. Like, like to make it worse, like why? There's there's no reason. There's no reason. There's no reason in that case. Uh, we've probably asked or discussed this before, but what is your ideal U.S. men's national team kit? Oh, uh, absolutely the the hoops. Yeah, the red and white hoops from is it maybe like 2012 or 2011 kind of era? I don't I can know. Tell you, Chris Wondolowski probably history. wore them kind of era. Yeah, 2012. The hoops from 2012, just do that every time. Just literally, that should be the home every time. Red and white hoops should be like our calling card. Like Peru has a red sash on a white background. Mm -hmm. We should have red and white hoops. Nobody else has it. We should fucking, that should be us. Uh, And then you can, with the blue away or whatever, you can fucking do tie-dye and put the crest in the middle and fuck Stars, sashes, whatever you want. Whatever you want, but... Yeah. Red and white hoops should be it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just, I mean, stars and stripes. Give us the stripes. Yeah. Why aren't we stripes? It shouldn't be hard. It's on our flag. You just take the cut and paste. Yeah. And then you can move, it's, you can do different, like whatever. Uh, the teams with hoops, like, do still put out a jersey every year, you know, like thinner or thicker. And, you know, some are or like thin a little bit of a fade thin. to it. Yeah. Or like, like, yeah. Whatever. Like Barcelona has a new kit every year, but it, uh, exactly. they still have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, completely agree. Hoops every time. Uh, thread consulting LLC God. at gmail.com. Honestly, just a case of like Heineken. A, just a ca- one case. That's all we need. I would I would pay Heineken. Like uh, you know, I will <laughs> I will do whatever. I will yeah. deliver yeah. Heineken from Heineken warehouse to the soccer house in Chicago. The soccer house in Chicago. I will drive it across the country or whatever, but yeah. I, I feel like if I had one, you know, kit to choose or like one dumb wish in, in American soccer, it might be that I, I might use it on that. Like, that's how strongly I feel about that. Oh, that's a good question. What would be the one dumb wish you could have granted? That's a good one. It can't be like, a, I mean, you can't have something like, oh, I'll just uh, only have the U.S. have good managers. Like, that's, yeah, okay. No, that's not a dumb things. wish. That's yeah, a that's very a, serious a, wish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be a good way to use it. That'd be a good way to use it. Uh, anything else on kits? World Cup kits in general? Puma's template, terrible. They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They're all bad, yeah, basically. Oh, are the there Puma any good ones, ones? are all I bad, but them. I just mean in general, like this year's World Cup kits. Um, it's not a Nothing strong real year. exciting. Not a strong no, year. Yeah. Not a there strong are a couple year. good ones I can't I'll do it off the top of my head, but it's like, you know, 10%. We, I don't think, got an email about it, but... Denmark and Hummel recently oh, announced yeah. the World Cup kits for Denmark, which Hummel makes. They are like muting out their logo on the kit because, the, according to their like PR statement about it, they don't want to be associated on the television with the World Cup in Qatar. So they're, you know, they're trying to to thread the needle between we're proud to supply kits for the Denmark national team. Uh, we love our country. We love our team, but we, you know don't want to be 
shown as supporting the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, and uh, one of their kits is all black. Yeah, it's. What do you think about it? I think it's fucking phenomenal. It's a great move. Like, I think it's. I mean, obviously for them, it's like great PR and shit. Like Everton, the reason I found out about this is because Everton Twitter, Everton fans, whatever, yeah. are like, "Fuck yeah. yeah, dude! We have Hummel is our kit maker, and we are so happy about this." Um, so it, yeah, it's like a great PR move, which is definitely one of the reasons they're doing it. But uh, also, yeah, it's beyond the right side of history. Like, mm-hmm. you know, making a statement with whatever way you can do it. Like you're a kit maker, your influence is, uh, you're a small kit maker, you're not Nike. Like your influence is very limited. You're not a sponsor of the World Cup. Um, And they're, you know, saying their piece and, you know, I don't know how many announcers are going to talk about it during the World Cup when they look at those kits, but if they're fairly different, you know, than other folks' kits and they're distinctive enough, people are going to say, hey, why does Denmark have these kits that look like this? And there's going to be an answer, right? It's they're putting the, they're ahead of that story about why there's why it's like that. They're going to be very vocal. I I don't think that announcers are going to be talking about it during the World Cup. I don't I don't think it's going to be a big story during the World Cup because everybody that's broadcasting it has a stake in uh, monopolizing or not monopolizing it, but like monetizing it, right? Everybody wants the value of the World Cup to be large. Uh, the people that are broadcasting it want the viewers. They don't want to kind of like make people morally jeopardize the, or like feel worried about it. The, you know, and all those broadcasters are going to want to stay on the good side of FIFA because they want to get their next bid, blah, 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 whatever. So I don't think it's actually going to be a big deal during the world cup, but Hummel did this during the last window ahead of the world cup and drove, you know, a day or two's worth of, news stories about the human rights conditions in Qatar while everyone was talking about the World Cup because all these teams were playing their like final national team games. So, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's phenomenal. They did, like, to bring this back up at the point that everyone is starting to look forward to the World Cup because it was the final window is brilliant. I love it all. Um, But I would be surprised if the Hummel piece of it specifically continues to, to be a big story. I, I think mean, they, yeah, I don't think it's going to be. They played a, it well, right? But I don't that think it's going to be a big story, is. but I think it is going to be a story. Like, I think it's going to be an. I think announcers will be forced to mention it. The kits from the TV camera are going to look just like t shirts. Yeah. Right? The branding is completely, you know, the same color Maybe. as the, yeah. the kit. So. I think they're going to have to say, like, at least some of them will say in at least some of the languages on some of the broadcasts, some of the days, hey, this is why that is. Like, They'll bring it up, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a one, a one sentence thing. It's not going to be like the, the announcers banter back and forth about it, right? Like, right, it's, right. Not, it's going to be a hot potato, right? But they're going to say something that... It'd be good if they did. Yeah. I assume the numbers have to still like stand out and be, be like, like contrasting yeah, a w- white outline on the red background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah, it would it would absolutely have to be a talking point if the numbers were also hard to read. <laughs> then they'd re- like that would be an, a big issue for. Yeah. You know, I still th- I still think it's going like, to be very uh, noticeable. Yeah. I hope it is. So Hummel, the one uh the one jersey sponsor that 
has been nailing it. Has Everyone balls. else, yep, lackluster year. Uh, all right, next Spencer. Oh, this is. A, do you want to take this one? All right. So Spence writes a very long email with a lot of really nice thoughts, and you know we love you, Spencer. Uh, before you even get onto the soccer stuff, we love you too. Um, but he he really is going after the haters. He doesn't like. I mean, I think it's these Neville, Henri, and Carragher who are on CBS calling the Champions League, um, and he's not happy with. Uh, or is maybe Neville is Neville not on there? Just Henri and Carragher, and Neville's on just Premier League. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, don't know. Um, but anyway, you know he's mad at them because of their basically hating on Americans. Um, and the, interestingly enough, uh, by uh, you know a lot of what they're coming at is uh, like uh, American owners, which is a funny group for anybody to be defending. Spencer, one of them, to be like defending <laughs> owners. They don't need defending, right? Yeah. Billionaire no, owners good. don't need defending. But <laughs> but from the perspective that, you know, Spencer is also American and cares deeply about soccer, uh, you know, I think he's offended that uh, these guys are saying, hey, you don't care as much or you're, you, you're not as... Um, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't about. know what you're talking about. You're not as pure of a, a, a fan or a player of the game or whatever the case may be. And uh, you don't have the same passion, things like that. So uh, I think, um, you know, he, so he wants us to explain, like, what is the deal here? Why are they hating on these American owners or all foreign owners? Um, you know, there's plenty of owners in England that are, you know, not good people. There's plenty of American owners who are coming in or other outside owners coming in who are not good people uh, or not pure. But like, why are Americans singled out and being, and like when they have ideas like this Chelsea, the new Chelsea ownership, uh, uh, having the idea of having an all-star game, um, why is that more often shut down if it's American or like more seen as a threat or an insult to the game? Um, is there is there a reason behind that? Do you think, Dan, or or is it just like the same if you're American and if you're an outsider who's from uh, I don't know China? I think. Well, I don't know that. That's an interesting question. I was going to say that you know I think the the British kind of uh, administration around soccer is very insular and doesn't, you know, they, they still think that f- football is their game. Football's coming home, uh, blah, blah, like the name of the, that, the, uh, the name of that governing body you're talking about is the football association, the football association. Yeah. Not like of England or anything. Right. It's exactly. Straight up. Not like the French yeah. football federation. F- right. Uh, but they, well, I don't know if they've, uh, sorry, I'm I'm thinking about your question about like American versus Chinese investment and how they view that, or or Russian over the last twenty years, or Middle Eastern over the last ten years. Uh, like, if you actually come with enough money, then are they nicer to you? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. 
Well, I mean, I think it's, I think the question is really like, uh, is not are they nicer to you? Because like, sure, Manchester City fans are nice to their owners. They love the fact that they used to suck and are now great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it's more like your passion for the game, or like your truism, or like what are you not? Are you here for the right reasons? Kind of the right reasons. Uh, kind of thing like if you're American okay you don't know soccer like soccer's not a big deal where you're from that's why I say China too because it's like also you know there are other things in China where China has other sports that they're they're yeah. big in it's not a, a mono culture for for soccer um, yeah and so like can you be as passionate if you're coming from America about soccer or do you need to come from a soccer playing country to be passionate about soccer I mean, you can absolutely be as passionate and you can absolutely like <laughs> these guys, Henri, Carragher, whatever. These are guys that are very good at soccer. They're not like the most passionate or like just like factually. They're not the most passionate people in the world or like I don't know how you measure that, but they're just not right. They're not factually the smartest or like best brains for football in the world. They're just not. So like the idea that you can't have anybody from any other country that can match that, even if you like you came up in it, it doesn't matter really. You can still administrate a club just as well, whether you played at a high level or not. Maybe you can like Jose Mourinho never played at a high level, really. I mean, maybe he played in like the Portuguese first division, a couple of minutes for a couple of years or something. Right. But like he wasn't on re-level. I don't think anyone is suggesting that he doesn't know anything and he's from a soccer playing country, but like you understand my point. It's not, uh, what's the famous quote? Uh, you don't have to have been a horse to be a good jockey. Like (laughs) you, like it's just a ridiculous thought. So I think the real concern probably boils down to they've seen American investment come in and it's just that it's an investment and it's more like, uh, you know, venture capitalist type money where they're trying to either make money or they're trying to like strip down the club or they're like, what? it's an investment more than it's a play thing where if you have these uber rich people coming in just throwing money, it's not an investment, it's a play thing. Then uh, maybe you're less worried about the kind of what they are going to do to the club because it's just free money at that point. And maybe that's the real difference between the Americans and anyone else that's come in. Yeah, I think uh, there's also like a pretty bad track record with Glazer. Um, that's like the most high-profile American owner at the most right. high-profile club you could possibly own. Um, and, you know, he's been a shithead. So but the Cronkies at Arsenal are like similar? Yeah, I mean similar, but like I would say less bad. But, you know, not good. But they've but like they've treated it like an investment, right? They built a new stadium. They yeah. went through years where they were not good because they were not investing in the squad because they were investing in other things. And they've come through it. They look really good now. They're still not throwing money around like other clubs are, but they look good, right? Sure. And it seems yeah. 15 years later like it's all been good, but people didn't like it at the time. Yeah. So what I mean is like it's a business investment and they're trying to manage it like a proper investment and not just like, oh, I have a lot of money that I'd like to, you know, sports wash my reputation with. Right. And, so. and I think the, the traditional like English owner or whatever, <coughs> um, which is basically like I think doesn't exist anymore in the top flight, like, you know, I think, yeah, I think it, that's right. it has been uh, priced out is like... Uh, 
local businessman sees himself as the caretaker of the local institution, you know, kind of keeps it as it is, you know, tries to make it 5% better, but does not have the means to have some kind of like grand overhaul situation, right? He's just like, well, I'm just going to sell this in 10 years or whatever when I die or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, make or lose a little bit of money, and that's fine because I got to be the only... Because it's kind of play thing thing too, but without the ability to spend 10 times more money than you were before. So, um, yeah, I agree that it's just like the model thing that is, you know, the American model of sports sports ownership or in general uh, uh, sports like finance and, and, the, and commercialism is slowly come over to international soccer and uh yeah. there are growing pains basically and i think that the shitty part is that uh that trickles down for lack of a better word to uh you know american players and american coaches and american fans or whatever as like you guys are yeah. like this you guys don't understand the game you guys Blah blah blah. Right. You, exactly. You think exactly. that you can just take the ideas from basketball and make it work in soccer, and you can, and it doesn't work like that, or whatever it is, you know. So um, that's a shame, but um, you know, I think that there are some really good American owners. As much as it pains me to say this, uh, the owners of the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool Football Club, um, two teams that I do not like. Uh, you know, seem to be pretty fucking competent at their jobs. Um, and so I think that group, Fenway Sports Group, I believe is the name. Uh, yep. like, I think they kind of, as much as, uh, you know, some of these other guys, like Randy Lerner comes to mind as someone who's like pretty incompetent at it, like ran Villa into the ground pretty hard. And the Glazers have, have been pretty shit. Uh, you know, Fenway Sports Group has brought Liverpool FC into the modern era while winning, um, while being better than they were. So um, I think that that's been, yeah, not the case in most places. Maybe I should be careful about painting American billionaires as, uh, you know, relatively benign and just interested in money versus all other billionaires in the world as some sort of more evil. I think I think that's probably a bad take. So... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should step my previous take back a little bit in terms of how different types of billionaires try to spend their money. I think uh, they're all probably bad. So, uh, just just how much they admit. I don't. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, anything else on that thought? What about the All Star Game? That's kind of what this all stemmed from. I think is that the new Chelsea guy was like, "Oh, we should do an All Star Game." Uh, is that such a bad idea? Like, it would make money, wouldn't it? Would people be interested? People would watch it. Why would the English establishment not be interested in monetizing a product that they have? Doesn't I that mean, make them dumb? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think we need another game on the calendar. Um, I think that uh, there are already one-off games in England that no one gives a shit about, called the Community Shield, um, and that one's to raise money for charity. Like, so I think cannibalizing that with another one-off game is not a great thing that I'm going to throw my support behind. Um, so I don't want an all-star game, quite frankly. 
Um, in the NFL, they are go- discontinuing the Pro Bowl because yeah. no one wants yeah. because of player safety reasons and, and not needing more games per year. So I, I'm not pro All-Star game, but I'm also, I am pro like, hey, why don't we try this shit? Like brainstorming, throwing shit at the wall. It doesn't have to be the same as it's always been. Uh, I think there are certain things that I, I like to keep the same for like continuity's sake, like 38-game season. Like let's keep it a 38-game season. Everybody plays each other twice. Like I think that's a good thing. I think we've got that one right. Um, but all the, like, there's so many other, like, dimensions or, or whatever of the season or of the sport that you could imagine. Like wrinkles you could add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, good to think about, yeah. but I, this one I'm not behind. For this league, too. Like, there could be another league where it makes total sense. It's not. There are testimonials, right, where they, like, dudes get all their friends together to play, which feels essentially like what an all-star game would be. Yeah. And those, like, probably make some money, but not on some huge uh, television contract level where anyone would be interested in letting their players go and do it, really. Uh, so maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Swick writes in, do you guys have a player that you love to hate for some reason? I can't stand Jack Grealish. His ridiculous hair, how he wears his shin guards. Shingards, how shitty he is at soccer, yet people think he's good. I even hate his name. It sounds like a made-up Pirates of the Caribbean name. The guy is the worst. (laughs) I love this. This is so good. It's brilliant. Who do you love to hate? Oh, I got so many. Most players. Most players. Most Uh, most players. uh, (laughs) I mean, this is where I find joy in soccer completely. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, God, where should, where does, well, I'll start with like Dan's favorite ones, Blas Perez. Um, Blas Perez. Uh, I mean, most Liverpool players, like Mo Salah for sure is on this list for me. Um, Luis Suarez used to be my number one, uh, you know, for uh, both of those guys, obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think who else is a good one or like, you know, not in that vein, not a Premier League reasons. Um, Neymar, <laughs> fucking hate that guy. Uh, you do hate him. I do. Yeah. It's, well, now we all have to hate him, but yeah, yeah you've I've, always hated I've been him. on that yeah. train. Yeah. You've been on it. Um, gosh, I mean, you say a couple, but, and I'll keep thinking. I mean, Blas Perez is my number one. I don't even know if he's playing any, he's 41 years old. He's probably not playing anymore. It says former football player in his Wikipedia. I still hate him. He's retired, and I still hate him. <laughs> still can't stand him. Still can't stand him. I, yeah, like most people that play for the Sounders, uh, Osvaldo Alonso. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I even kind of like Minnesota, but not like don't don't be picking up that guy. Come on. Uh, who else is there? Uh, like guys that I really hate. There are plenty of guys where I'm like, yeah, like I don't like him because he's on that team and he's that kind of player. But if he was on my team, then I'd probably love him because he's like a cheeky little guy that like, you know, but I don't hate those guys for like passionately. I just kind of understand where they fit in my fandom. Uh, I don't know. I'm bad at pulling names like this. But I mean, Blas Perez is the one for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You've just always, always been, just, you've always been on the Blas Perez. Is, is the way he runs, the way he wears <laughs> his sweatbands, the like way he, he wears runs, his sweat things on his somebody arm. For the way they run is so good, <laughs> so good. <laughs> just you can pick him out on the field. You Quit know, he running around, need to wear a number. He's he just, a piece of shit. Just running. 
He like he, he wears a sweatband on his arm like he's a tennis player. Get yeah. out of yeah. here. What do you, oh I hate him. I just hate him. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh all right. Should we get into the meat of US men's national team? It's what we're really here for. Ben Pearson says, uh, how shite was that game? I think this was after the first one, which was Japan. not Saudi Arabia. It was the other one, Japan. Uh Zero shots, gave the ball away a lot. Saudi Arabia game, maybe a little better. Still, like, essentially no XG. Uh, oh, not Virgil great. van Dyke. Oh, I can't fucking stand Virgil van Dyke. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Back to that. Oh, he's so overrated funny. and just, uh, he's, oh. Sorry, go on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. No. Uh, so... I think Pearson's talking about the Japan game in this, but let's talk about the entire Where's window. Where's fucking Virgil on the back of his jersey? Like, he's a fucking one-name player? Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Like, yeah. Virgil, too? Like, like Get like, the fuck you know, out of here, you prick. The Greek storyteller? Get yeah. out of here, Van Dyke. Yeah. I'm Virgil. No, only one dude is named Virgil in all of history, and you are not Virgil. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the entire U.S. men's national team window. Is this, A, a wake-up call that... Uh, we need to stop being so weak and ex- letting teams exploit our weaknesses uh, and that Greg can use to focus uh, the team ahead of the World Cup or B, a wake-up call that we're way shittier than we thought we were and uh, we're going to get run out of the group even if we have our uh, best players. Where does this window fall for you? I mean, I think uh, B. Like, uh, th- So this group, to me... I think kind of like maybe a year ago, I'll get this timeline wrong, whatever. But when it was like, oh, yeah, we're we're really going to qualify for the World Cup, guys. Don't worry. No, no, really. Uh, But we're all kind of thinking, uh, are we really, though? Like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So pre-qualification. Like a a soft 80% confident. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in, In those moments, what we were always saying was or at least I was always thinking, was, yeah, we're going to qualify in 2022, but this is a 2026 roster, right? These guys are young. Uh, there's, there's obvious holes in the roster, blah, blah, blah. But like we need to qualify for this because it's, it's fucking embarrassing when we don't qualify out of CONCACAF. But like this isn't our peak. This isn't this generation's peak. Uh, and now we've since then seen a lot of these guys like perform pretty well at the club level uh, and kind of get our hopes up here and there. And also just we've not played a bunch of good teams and it allows us to dream. And this is absolutely a wake up call that we are shittier than we thought. And like a wake up from the dream is exactly the, the metaphor I'm going to use. So we were dreaming because that's what you do when you don't have like Hard data to we go for ourselves. You know, you fool yourself. And this is this is the reality. I actually had kind of forgotten about that whole uh like rationalization of current not goodness that like it's okay, it's really about twenty twenty six at home anyway. <clears throat> Thinking about that now, uh doesn't feel like these guys are trending up either. Yeah, they're all like 22, 23, 24. There's a lot. Like, there's it doesn't a lot feel of time. Like Brendan Aronson's trending up. Which direction is he trending? 
Yeah, okay, but Brendan... I don't think Brendan Aronson is the one of the top five guys where you're like, this is the core for 2026, right? He might be the sixth, but he's not Adams, Pulisic, Weston, uh, Jedi, and Musa, right? Or I mean, I think Leia, Musa's trending up. Musa's probably trending up, but like Pulisic... Is he trending up? He's Maybe flat. a change of coach. He'll be, you know, is Weston trending up at this point? I guess Adams, it's a little early to tell. I mean, he's in a, a higher, tougher league, and the, he and Aronson started off the season well. But is Adams that, is getting more like minutes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is there any more confidence even in 2026? Maybe that's a different question. I mean, you get four years. We also get four years to get another generation. Like the generation in front of those guys is the dead generation, where like it's like the DeAndre Yedlin generation. He's the best player from a five-year stretch of guys, right? Yeah. And so the five-year stretch of guys below this uh, has plenty of, you know, trout. Yeah, plenty of trout there. And and so in twenty twenty six, there will be somebody whose name we barely mentioned or not mentioned on this podcast who will probably make the starting lineup. And so that'll be good. I, I still think that this group is better than any group we've ever had. Even if you say, look, Pulisic's just a squad guy at Chelsea. <laughs> just a squad guy at Chelsea? We would have killed for that eight or six years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, Clint that's Dempsey was just a squad guy at Spurs, and he's Clint Dempsey. Right. And like, exactly. The all time like, scoring leader of take US soccer. Yeah. And Weston, like, I don't know. He's not playing well at Juventus, but like he convinces every new manager that comes in, like he ends up starting. So like I like that's still a big deal. Like this is still the most intrinsically talented group that we've ever had. Yes. And f- yes. the fact that Burhalter can't get them to play even kind of at the sum of their parts, much less higher than the sum of their parts as more than the sum of their parts uh, is very frustrating. And I don't know if that means that we will crash out or if it means that, you know, maybe the players will just figure it out for themselves. I, I think there may have been signs that the players were very frustrated with Greg in this window uh, the way that Reyna left the field when he was apparently injured. And I think Dortmund confirmed that he was injured or like had to sit out for a few days. So, okay, something happened. But he walked straight down the tunnel. Maybe he's just frustrated with himself because he's injury prone. But like Greg had to go chasing after him. Uh, Pulisic got subbed off and dapped up everyone on the sideline except for Greg. These are things that Christian knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows that the cameras are watching him go to the bench. So part of me wonders if this group just uh, like decides to mini mutiny and just be like, look, dudes, we need to just, this is us. This is our World Cup. This is not Greg's World I get Cup. that, yeah. We need to like, we're going to play. Greg can hype us up, tell us whatever he wants. He's going to choose the players. Uh, but like in the end, it's still the players. And at some point it's their World Cup. They have to step up. And I still think it's the best group we've ever had. Yeah. So I don't, could, I don't think that strategy, I, I see a path that it could be, a, it could still be great. I see a path. I, I don't think that strategy goes well, generally speaking. Uh, but I will, I will agree with you in the fact that 
it's three games. Like, the group is three games. You can lose one of them, still get out of the group. And if we get out of the group, that's, like, some baseline of, like, oh, we didn't qualify for the last one, and this one we got out of the group. Like, that's pretty good. And then we'll draw whoever we draw, and it'll probably be, you know, whatever, Brazil, or, like, some mega team, and we'll probably lose. And that'll be, like, you know, fine, kind of. Well, we wouldn't have wanted to, yeah, we wouldn't have expected to beat them anyway. Right, exactly. And so I think there's a a path here where it's kind of 2014-like, where we don't look great, uh, we get the job done, or 2018-like, sorry. No, 2014. No, 2018. Like, yeah. We're at the yeah. 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in those in the 2014 World Cup, we did not. We had like really low possession numbers and things like that. Um, obviously, there were some very nice goals and whatever that got us through. But that's kind of what I'm saying is there could be. There's plenty of talent here to have moments of magic, and you know, score a couple goals in big games, uh, and we could get us through. Are we gonna like look like a good team and be like? oh, wow, we just played England off the pitch. We just looked way better than Wales. Whatever. No, there is no fucking way. There is no fucking way. Uh, could we get the results that we need and get out of the group? Yeah, we, we, we could. I, I would you put money on it. You need a win and a draw, right? Yeah, like you but can, we could do it. You could do that. Whether yeah. it's a mini mutiny or, you know, a sketchy handball call, right? Like, we, True. we could do it. True. Uh, ben wrote in again, I think after the Saudi game and points out that, uh, England has been terrible recently. They've been relegated out of their nation league group. They'll be in group, uh, you know, tier B or whatever of the nation league. Uh, Wales were relegated out of the nation league without winning a game and haven't won since they beat Ukraine to qualify. Uh, so, you know, not a great run of form and first world cup since 58. So might just be on a, a, you know. Happy to be here. Feel like tourists. Uh, Iran looks like a pretty solid team, but the overall political situation in Iran right now is uh, dicey at best. The team is making political statements against the the regime, right? Like the whole Iran situation, who knows what it's going to be like in a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, So it's not like anyone in this group B is full of confidence coming to this group. Uh, I think those are good points, Ben. Very interesting. Yeah, Do I agree. You- I mean, the, the only thing I would say is England, uh, I think Wales struggled to qualify for the World Cup and they were relegated in Nations League. There's no real reason to think that they're that good. They've never, you know, this this generation of Wales yeah. has never, I mean, I'll say it's like last generation that they were good in the Euros. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't expect them to like suddenly be good. They could beat us, but you know, so can Panama on their day or whatever. Right. Um, England on the other hand, I think it's just a situation where, uh, yeah, they're messing with this. This is not working with the system right now and that kind of stuff. They obviously have a ton of talent. And I think it's just to me, we tend to draw these narratives or it's kind of like, um, the hot hand fallacy in, in basketball where it's like, you know, you see a streak of six in a row, you assume that means something and that the seventh is more likely to go in. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I I don't think that I think in the, that's kind of what's going on here for England. Like I don't think there's a deep intrinsic problem that makes them weak. I think they're still a strong team. They'll get it together. They will be a strong team at the World Cup. Uh, you know, yeah. They, whether they're stronger than Argentina or whoever they they end up going out to in quarterfinals on penalties <laughs> is another story. But um, you know, they'll they'll play us off the pitch. Basically, is what I'm saying. So. Um, yeah, but we, we can beat Wales and Iran. Like we, we can get through the group still as bad as we look, we can get through the group, which is the, which is the whole point of this email basically. Yeah, exactly. Nobody looks, uh, you know, everyone has their issues going into this. And so, uh, why not us? Why not us? Um, last email, we're going to do it. Raymond writes in, uh, he says he listens to a lot of U.S. soccer podcasts. Why are you still listening to us then? What are you doing, Raymond? <laughs> what, what, what's going on? You must uh, listen to 74 American soccer podcasts if you're listening to us. <laughs> uh, he says he doesn't understand why we haven't had a number nine since uh, Brian McBride in 2002. Do you think that's true? Have we not had a number nine or a number like a, a proper forward? I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I can't really think of... I mean, okay, Hercules Gomez or, or somebody like that like plays as a number nine. Josie plays as a number nine. But, like, are those guys... You know, we haven't had a number nine have a great World Cup, is what he said. So, that's a different thing. Like, we, we have guys who are trying to do that, but aren't weren't up to the quality or didn't have the day or got injured. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Could have been Wando. Could have been Wando. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's just for Eric out there. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, 2010 Dempsey was good. Wasn't he? Did Altador oh, I- got injured in like the first 30 minutes and like, I don't. I'm not sure that I. Oh, I, I don't count Clint Dempsey as a number nine. He's a goal scorer for me, but he's not a number nine really. Uh, which okay. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that that's like a arguable thing and and a gray thing. Um, so yeah. if you want to say Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey has definitely had some very good World Cups. I just don't think he's like he's a he's not a Josie he's a forward, Brian not McBride, a yeah. You know, fine center of the field. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why, but Alexander Mitrovic came into my mind. Mitro is like the number nine, like the third one in that. <laughs> McBride. Classic, yeah. Josie and Mitro, obviously. And Mitrovic, <laughs> obviously. Uh, Raymond says, the most concerning part of the current U.S. men's national team to him is the uh, fullbacks and centerbacks and goalkeeper. I think our goalkeeper, assuming uh, Matt Turner plays... There's all these rumors that Greg actually still prefers Zach Steffen, which terrifies me. But if Turner's playing, I'm okay with that. Absolutely agree about the rest of this, though. The back four, uh, you know, you're talking about we need some moments of brilliance. We have the offensive players that can find a spark. That kind of assumes that it's built on not shipping three goals a game. Like, if we can keep it tight enough that a moment or two per game wins it. I I don't know if we can keep it that tight. I'm... I totally agree with Raymond here. The back line uh, scares me a lot. I think it's the worst we've had since, uh, as long as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I asked a question 
you know, we, we haven't podcasted in forever. And in the interim, yeah. at some point, I asked a question on our email thread. If you could draft three uh, former men's national team players from history in their prime and add them to this roster, who would you draft? And, um, you know, I think my picks were, I think I picked Clint Dempsey, but, you know, uh, someone to score the goals. Uh, could have been McBride. Could have yeah. been McBride. I can't right. remember. Uh, I picked a keeper. I picked Tim Howard. And then a center back uh, who maybe I picked Bocanegra. I can't remember who I talked myself into. But, you know, I think that's, you know, pretty much in line with this. I totally agree that our center backs are not great. Um, I think our outside backs, I mean, Sergio Dest is quite good. But there is, uh, both of them are attacking type, you know. Yeah, it's the defending side of our outside backs that worry me. And we're not going to have the ball. And they're going to get run at and they're going to be go missing and they're going to fall asleep. And yes, I I think they're, they're going to be exposed by that level of talent. That's, you know, in certain times. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I'm not sure that our, that like Zimmerman will be that bad. Um, I think that our center backs on the other hand are like in there because they're good defenders. Um, whereas if, John Anthony Brooks, as much as I love him, the reason he gets into the lineup is because he's a good passer. Um, yeah. And so I'm happy that we've kind of ended up skewing that way with the center backs. Um, but that being said, yeah, it's certainly like I wish we had a center back that played for Juventus who was playing, you know, or whatever. Like we don't yeah. have a center back that plays at that level. Just, it would sure be nice. I mean, we do have a center back that captains a decent Premier League club right now in <laughs> Tim Ream. I mean, I, Tim Ream, you know, I agree with you, and maybe he should get a call for the, you know, he's playing well right now, but I don't want Tim Ream in a game. He just, the, the lack of pace is just too, too likely to get exposed in the situations we'll be in. I, yeah, I'm not sure what game states you expect that we're going to be in. But if we're defending uh, situations with the whole field where in front fullbacks, of us, or situations where our fullbacks go missing, situations where you're covering an entire half of a field because Sergio Dest has gone on a wander, <laughs> that might happen. That very well could happen. We also might just end up defending ten yards from our own goal for <laughs> stretches, and in that case, Tim Ream and John Anthony Brooks sound pretty good to me. Actually, yeah, that's true. So, that's true. I'm, uh, I'm not saying they, that neither of them have a spot, like could have a spot on the plane. Um, there are yeah. there are times when they could be good, especially the uh, uh, we have scored a goal in, by some fluke of you know again, and now we are defending the last ten minutes against a team that's better than us, which is most teams will play. So yeah, uh, Tim yeah. Ream as a third center back to kill the game or John Anthony Brooks's giant forehead. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it's a big gambit for Greg. So we're a bit long, but actually a question that did not come. So that's the email section, uh, soccerthread at gmail.com. Here's my only non-email question for you, I think. Do you see any way that at the end of this World Cup, Greg Berhalter gets his contract extended? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, like nepotism 
I don't know if, if his brother really still works for USSF or not even, but his like, brother's gone. I think, I yeah. think so. You're right. Um, but yes, I, I think there's always, it's, it's soccer federations. Like there is always a way that would be like too optimistic or something like that to say, no, there's no way he gets extended. Um, but at the same time, pessimistic because, you know, if he, if we win a knockout game as bad as we would look, you know, like say we get battered by England, uh, beat one of the other two and draw the other one. We squeak in on goal differential or something like that. And we draw, uh, let's just say Ghana in the first, you know, a team that's pretty good, but not head and shoulders better than us. Uh, and we beat them, which you, anyone can win a one-off game. Right. And we Mm -hmm. get into the next round and then, you know, even if we, we just put up a fight against, uh, whatever, Germany, lose two one to Germany, uh, on a sketchy call, whatever. Like that's a totally re- reasonable scenario that could happen, where we don't look good for any single game, really, and we go out to Germany in a quarterfinal. He gets extended hundred percent of the time. He gets oh. extended for that performance. He, but there's no identifiable progress in the project I, I suppose except from going to from not, not qualifying, qualifying to, World to qualifying Cup to making a quarterfinal yeah uh, yeah but like in terms of the uh, I don't know product not the results but like the product what has he done that you know there's nothing there and then the players uh, I I'm maybe I'm just projecting but if the players are also like nah we're done with this guy they certainly have some ability to make some noise behind the scenes. Like, even if that happens, it's so hard for me to see him getting extended. This just all seems like it's been so, uh, like it's never really, nobody's ever been high on Greg. The best Greg has done in the last three years has had people like accepting. Yeah. There's never been a point where anyone's been like actually really happy with him. I don't think that's just so hard for me to see him get extended. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's likely that he gets extended, you know, because I think it's most likely that we don't look good at this World Cup and we don't put forth a good performance, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I don't think he gets extended at the end of the day, but I sure wouldn't be surprised, I, you know, if we, especially if we one or two good results. Uh, he's also had, like, less of less time in the job than a lot of guys going through their first World Cup, right, because it took so long to yeah. hire him. So he kind of has that built-in excuse, or like he's only been three years, not four years. Someone who who wants him to stay, like, can kind of tell that narrative too. Oh, and these guys are growing under him, and like, blah blah blah. Like, I think you can tell, you can Uh. convince yourself if you want to convince yourself. And I don't know, you know, who ends up making the decision if they want to convince themselves, right? And so, yeah, I think it totally can happen. and he's on a relatively cheap contract, so U.S. soccer is yeah, like stingy get? or something. And yeah, oh, uh, yikes! You're not going to get Jesse Marsh. Like if Jesse Marsh gets fired at the right time, you know, like there's oh. got to be other folks that are very happy to come and work in the United States, though. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure no, that but it I'm has saying to if be he's like, borderline. If he's borderline, then you have to have, you know, you can't do a six month search. 
with no yeah, uh, thing, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You look like you don't know what you're doing, which you, that would be pretty bad. Um, you got to have the replacement ready. And if the, the person you want isn't ready, oh, God, you I might just like end it. up sticking with them. I don't want to do this for another four years <laughs> to, for the home World Cup. Imagine four years from now going into the home World Cup and feeling the way that we do right now going into this World Cup. It'd just be the worst. I mean, I think... The worst. Uh, I don't think you're going to feel good about a, an American national team manager. I just don't think you are. I just don't think we're going to be able to get somebody into the job who is good enough that you feel good about them. I mean, I think there's not a lot of managers who people feel good about managing their team. You know, uh, and so and then a smaller subset, the USS, USSF can and will hire like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so unlikely. Right. It's so unlikely. As long as it's not Greg. Oh, Klinsman then. Good. We'll get Klinsman. All right, that's it. Uh, get right. at us, soccerthread at gmail.com. We have no uh, emails in the uh, chamber, so we need more for next week or next month whenever we get around to it. So email us, soccerthread at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's all. We appreciate Thanks, everything Cliff. you do for us. Thanks, Cliff. Yes.